In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Amen. Thank you. Imagine a young man who gets invited to a prestigious banquet and knowing that such class and taste are requested of the ones who attend this banquet, he requests of his father to provide him with the choicest of apparel, a custom pure white garment, clean, crisp, and beautiful. The very same young man attends the banquet and while there gets carried away with food and drink, losing himself in the revelry, compromising the dignity of his person, and while indulging, staining the beautiful garment in a humiliating way and returning home. Knowing his father to be a man not without means, he presents the garment and in all humility admits his mistake. Beseeching of his father to have it clean, please, father, have it clean that this garment that I have nearly destroyed might be restored to its original beauty. The father, seeing his son's condition and his son's sorrow, agrees to have it cleaned and restored to the son. Surely he's learned his lesson. The son is invited to yet another banquet to which he quickly RSVPs. On the night of the event, he falls into revelry, staining his garment and nearly destroying it again. A bit embarrassed, he returns home, but also with confidence that all will be made well as before. He provides the garment to be cleaned, and while turning it over, even exposing the barbarity and lewdness of those others who attended the party. Himself, of course, being a little, a little better than them in some way, not as bad as they were. Resting in the confidence and the means provided by his father, first the garment and its dignity, and later the ability to have it cleaned and restored to its original state, the man continues this cycle again and again, each time having it cleaned and each time more boldly judging those, those slobs at the events. What happens to him eventually? Eventually he destroys the garment from constant misuse. He ruins his friendships by false confidence and accusation of them and proves undeserving to have the garment restored. Even having thought to himself, it doesn't matter. Once it's soiled beyond repair, my father will simply replace it. I use this, this parable to further emphasize the lesson presented in today's gospel reading. This parable in which our Savior tells the story of a man who begs to be granted forgiveness of his debts. He's granted it, but quickly prove, proves himself unworthy of such forgiveness. When he then turns to his own debtor and relentlessly demands recompense.
what a true illness hypocrisy is. And a self-inflicted one at that. Of course, in the Savior's parable, the man's desire for forgiveness, followed by his refusal to forgive, resulted in his own immunity to forgiveness. Such immunity to forgiveness, to mercy, resulted in the man's condemnation. What could have resulted in the perpetuation of mercy resulted in enslavement to self and subjection to punishment. He could have been free if he had only granted freedom. In his refusal, he became a slave and worthy only of the consequence of his decisions, which was his condemnation. The reading of this parable brought me to meditate on the nature of forgiveness. And this is what I'd like to focus on today, forgiveness. The dictionary definition of forgiveness or forgive is this. To grant pardon for or remission of an offense or debt. To absolve. To give up all claim on account of or remit a debt, obligation, etc., like happened in today's Gospel reading. To grant pardon to a person. To cease to feel resentment against, to forgive one's enemies. And to counsel an indebtedness or liability of, to forgive the interest owed on a loan. Of course, forgiveness is present throughout the Holy Scripture. I remember an old license plate frame that people used to use. Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven. Remember that? And there's some truth to it. Of course, forgiveness is present through the Scriptures. And the very first thing that comes to mind when I, when I think of forgiveness, when I think of forgiveness in a biblical framework, is that prayer that we say, usually multiple times a day, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us as we forgive. This is such a powerfully instructive word from Jesus, built into the model prayer from the sacred lips of our Savior, a teaching on the nature of forgiveness. Sometimes we want to be forgiven without having to forgive. To receive mercy, but not to bestow mercy. We want to live as if it is God's purpose and prerogative to forgive. As if it's God's purpose and prerogative to show mercy, but not my own. But woe to us who fail to realize that God-likeness and healing and salvation all call us forth to forgive and to bestow mercy. Thus we hear a conditional statement. Forgive us as we forgive. If we had written the prayer ourselves, for ourselves, we would, would have probably said, and forgive us our trespasses. Amen. <laughs> you know? But... Our Lord has His ways. 
And so he taught us to pray, forgive us as we forgive. We could also interpret this to mean, forgive us only in as much as we're willing to forgive others. Willing. What a terrible predicament it is for us hypocrites who would love to be forgiven 70 times 7, but would prefer not to forgive, or maybe just once or twice. But beyond that, would be injustice or irrational. Correct? We treat it that way sometimes. Yet we are called to forgive. Not only once, not only twice, but as much as we ourselves would like to be forgiven. When should we forgive? What's the criteria for determining whether or not I need to forgive? I have a few thoughts in this regard. We should forgive those who ask for forgiveness. Forgive those who ask for forgiveness. This might beg the question, is there ever a time in which we should rightfully withhold forgiveness? I would want to say that forgiveness is freedom from the desire to have the satisfaction of seeing the other person experience the consequence of his or her mistake. It's a sick form of, twisted form of self-affirmation that we get when we see someone else suffering the consequence of their own decisions and we kind of revel in it in a way. But forgiveness finds no, releases ourselves from even desiring to have that satisfaction that he got what he deserved kind of moment. Sin is a tragedy and the consequence of sin is a tragedy. Even when it's willfully experienced and proudly experienced in the life of another person. So rather than self-righteous affirmation, when we see sin and the consequence of it, it actually should result in a profound sorrow for us. Rather than he got what he deserved. She got what she deserved. She always acts that way. She'll get what's coming to her someday. We should never rejoice when someone experiences even the natural consequences of his or her own mistakes. All sin is tragic. And therefore, thus even is the need for justice. Yes, people must be held accountable to taking responsibility for their actions. Yet to rejoice in the punishment of another, even a deserved punishment, is a further indication of the sad condition of humanity. That's something we need to think about in our lives, in our consciousness, the way we view other people. Forgive those who ask for forgiveness. The second is, forgive those who have offended you. Forgive those who have offended you, whether they meant it or not. Because what is an offense but the response of a wounded ego? Offense or the state of being offended is very dangerous because it breeds resentment. And resentment gives birth to anger. And anger always seeks to hurt or destroy. And we are capable of hurting and destroying. 
but we're also capable of healing and restoring. But the two are mutually incompatible. Healing and restoration and hurting and destruction, those things are not compatible with one another. We can't say we like one, but choose the other as an ideal. We have to, actually, if we desire to be healed ourselves, we have to forgive those who have offended us. Remember that a fire, you can't put out fire with fire. A fire can't be put out with flame. Neither can an offense be quelled with resentment. Do you really want to take that with you? That was everywhere you go? It's an unnecessary burden. It's hard to carry around those weights. Three, forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive those who have hurt you, even physically. Remember that forgiveness never serves as a dismissal of sin. Forgiveness does not serve as a dismissal of sin. Forgiveness does not free one from the consequence of sin. Neither is forgiveness something that results in an automatic trust of the other person. For me to say I forgive you for something doesn't mean all of a sudden we're going to go to Disneyland together on vacation. In fact, sometimes, and hear this, this is a deep teaching. Sometimes forgiveness severs the rope of codependency such that the one who would perpetually injure you can be set free from the opportunity of doing it again. In some circumstances, it very well may be appropriate to say, I forgive you, with also a, therefore, I will never provide you the opportunity for that kind of offense again. And this is especially people who are caught in the cycle of abuse, abusive friendships, relationships, whatever kind they may be. Forgiveness is a means to true healing. But it's only available to those who are willing to forgive. As Christians, as followers of Christ, forgiveness should be our mode of life. This mode of life that we can define as being merciful. Remember our high calling. Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. Really supposed to be like that? Be like God? Is it even possible? Yeah, it is possible. It is. Don't sell yourself short. I believe in you. I believe in Christ in you. Forgiveness and mercy are born from the heart of one who is forgiven and seeking forgiveness. The one who realizes that his life depends on the mercy of God. Forgiveness and mercy spring forth from the one who is striving to love without condition. In our lives, we must operate, my favorite thing to say, we must operate on the presupposition of love. And this means that if forgiveness is our rule, love is our motive. Love is our aim, always. 
forgiveness unto actually loving the other. You can't love, you can pretend. Like that classic, I, I, I don't like him, but I love him kind of thing. You know, that, that might that very well be an indication of a, a seed of resentment that's been planted and growing and some forgiveness that needs to take place. And of course, St. John of Kronstadt says, do not confuse the sin committed by the person with the image of God that was given to them. So love, true love, never seeks to control. It does not aim to manipulate, as can happen when we try to withhold forgiveness. Have you ever done that? Tried to withhold forgiveness? Withholding forgiveness can be a way of trying to control others. But when the resentments that come from withholding or refusing forgiveness linger, those things become the very ropes that bind us. In attempting to bind the other by withholding forgiveness, we actually bind ourselves. Being bound by resentment leads to the impassioned or pathological state of anger and malcontent. We feel so angry all the time, we don't know why. I just can't control it anymore. Always unhappy, always irritable, and always frustrated. My heart feels so hard. If you can even talk about your heart anymore. And forgiveness is the answer to this. Going deep and exploring in our lives, which is how I'm going to conclude today's homily. When I forgive, I do so out of the true desire for the healing of the offender. And out of the desire for my personal healing to take place. Like pulling out that splinter that could so easily fester and become infected and even gangrenous. It's not only up to God to forgive. Though God is the source of all forgiveness and of true reconciliation. You're not God, so you don't have to pretend to be or try to be. God will grant you the strength and the ability to to do what he's actually taught you and called you to do. To forgive is to cease to feel like anyone owes you anything. Like the man in today's parable who was relinquished of his indebtedness, he was forgiven his debts. In today's parable, our Savior was concerned with people who would like to be unbound while yet being free to bind others. But to forgive is to unbind oneself of resentment. To forgive is to free oneself from the sin that so readily binds his brother. To forgive is to no longer feel the need to exercise judgment upon the other, but rather to remember the words of the Lord. Vengeance is mine, he says. I will repay. Let God do that messy part. To forgive is to no longer submit to the myth that you can enslave another person by means of the judgments of your own mind. And to be freed from the feeling, the right to act on such judgments. So is it our calling, each and every one of us, only to be forgiven? Just for each of us, only to be forgiven, that's it? 
Thank you. No. No. You're still awake. Good. It's not just, just our calling to only be forgiven, but beloved in Christ, our calling is to forgive as well. Of course, we do not hesitate to put ourselves at the foot of the Lord's table in all humility like that, like that woman. And each of us need to come under, to understand the mystery of this passage from Matthew. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. We need to receive some crumbs from our Lord. When, but when we hear a homily, when we read the gospel, when a bit of wisdom is granted to us from a spiritual book, when someone speaks a word of truth in our presence, we must ask of ourselves, how does this apply to me? How does it really apply to me? And thus, today, the question for us is a very serious one. One I think we, we have to dig deep to address. And I encourage you, really prayerfully, do not hesitate to do the hard work of exploring in your life where there is need for deep forgiveness. I call this spiritual spelunking. You know what spelunking is? Going deep down into a cave. Spiritual spelunking. And we need to do that with... We've been given a light to bear. And we can't be afraid to explore those dark caverns and crevices within us. To let the light of the the Lord shine, of His truth in those dark places, so that healing can take place. So ask of yourself in all sincerity and inquire of the conscience, is there anyone against whom I have held a perpetual grudge? Anyone at all? When I think about them, I just automatically depersonalize them. One way is by paying attention to your manner of speech when you talk about other people. They're just. Fill in the blank. He's just. Or she's just a. Those are good uh, indicators that you've depersonalized someone. Or avoidance of someone. I don't want to talk to them. Why? Explore that. Is there need for forgiveness? Is there anyone against whom I've held a grudge? Is there anyone before whom I think I have the right to stand in judgment? And be honest with yourself. Be willing to be shaken a little bit in this effort. Is there anyone whom I've refused to forgive? Dig deep. Dig deep as one keenly aware of your own need for forgiveness and see that this need can only be met when bestowed on others. Please do not give in to the myth of cheap forgiveness or cheap grace, one that's bestowed upon the self without need to change. Do we desire unconditional grace, forgiveness for the many mistakes we make, for our innumerable offenses against others, both voluntary and involuntary, then please, please let us become defined by our willingness to forgive. Let this be our rule as Christians. Let this be our manner in our life. Let this be our way. I also beg of you, 
If you need to request the forgiveness of any, and if you know that you have offended anyone in particular, if you've hurt someone else, don't hesitate any longer to humbly take responsibility for your error and ask for forgiveness. Do it. Do it. And I'll lead by example. We don't just have to do this on, for, during Forgiveness Vespers. But since I'm giving this teaching, I want to let you know that I know that, uh, that I have many opportunities to offend. And believe it or not, it, it breaks my heart to consider that I, that I could have hurt anyone of you. Any one of you. Either in my, by word or deed. My own ignorance. If there's anything that I've done to offend or hurt or upset you in any way, please forgive me. Please forgive me of any and all offenses. I know my, my sins affect the world. My imperfections affect you. But also where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And that's what we proclaim as Christians. I can't bow low enough. I can't get low enough before you all, honestly. And I want you to know that I, that I love you all and I ask for your forgiveness. And I assure you that I forgive you as well. I usually don't even remember. You said what? Oh. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed is he who is rich in mercy, who forgives those who forgive. And to him be all glory, honor, and worship now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen.